turn to John 2, John 2, 1 through 11. John 2, 1 through 11. I have a, quite a bit of scripture for you right up here at the front, but then I'm done, okay? John 2, 1 through 11. You got it? Say amen. Don't say hold up. All right, we're good. Here we go. And it says this. It says, on the third day, there was a wedding. Come on, we're at a wedding venue. Uh, in Cana of Galilee, at the mother, and the mother of Jesus was there. Now, both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. And when they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. Jesus said to her, come on, this is a great response. Every man says, woman, what does your concern have to do with me? Come on. I love that response. Jesus is straight up, right? Come on, I love it. Uh, My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, whatever he says to you, do it. Come on, mamas don't take no for an answer. Now there uh, were set there six water pots of stone according to the manner of purification of the Jews, containing 20 or 30 gallons apiece. That's a lot of water. Jesus said to them, fill the water pots with water, and they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, draw some out now and take it to the master of the feast. And they took it. When the master of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine, And did not know where it came from, but the servants who had drawn the water knew. The master of the feast called the bridegroom. And he said to him, every man at the beginning sets out the good wine. And when the guests have well drunk, then the inferior. You have kept the good wine until now. The beginning of the signs Jesus did in Cana of Galilee and manifested his glory. And his disciples believed in him. Amen? If you're taking notes today, I would love for you to title this message, First Impressions. First Impressions. Lord, I thank you for the Word of God. I thank you that it's sharper than any two-edged sword. I thank you that every ear in here is open and receptive to hear your Word. Lord, they didn't come to hear a word from man, but they've come to hear a word from you. And so I pray that you would speak to the hearts of your people. Lord, I thank you that we would have an amazing Easter celebrating your goodness and what you've done for us in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. First impressions. Uh, You know, I'm amazed. I don't know if any of you are amazed at this because uh, here is Jesus, the Savior of the world, right? And the first miracle that he chooses to do is he chooses to turn water into wine. He's making beverages, right? I mean, come on. This is the, this is the first uh, miracle. Okay, and I know, uh, listen, uh, don't, don't save your emails. It, it, okay, it was grape juice. It was just fermented. Okay, it's fine. Whatever, it's, it, was, it was one of those things where you go, why in the world would Jesus, of all things, why would he make the decision for this to be his first miracle? Come on. I mean, if, if I expect something, uh, uh, if you're coming out and you're grand opening, I expect something way more amazing like I want you come on I want somebody I want to see somebody raised from the dead that's a great come on that's a showstopper right there I want to see something amazing happen is anybody with me and and I'm sitting here going why why would Jesus choose 
choose of all things to make water into wine at his first miracle. I mean, come on, somebody. I mean, he could be sitting on the back porch. This is the creator of the universe, and the sun is in his eyes, and he could, he could command the house to be picked up and moved over to get the sun out of his eyes. Come on, that would be awesome. How about, how about th- just this? The sun's in his eyes, and he just says, sun, go down, and, and all of a sudden it's dark, and that's a pretty awesome miracle. But of all things, he chooses to make water into wine. I don't, I don't know if, if anybody else is amazed by this, but it's something that shocks me, honestly. Uh, you know, I, I think first impressions are everything, right? I mean, how many of you have ever been told, you, you better go in and make a good first impression? You know, because you, it, it truly is really important to make good first impressions. I, 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 just statistically saying, here's the, here's the thing as a pastor that I know, that 95% of the people make up their mind whether or not they will come back to a church within the first five minutes of being there. That's pretty amazing. Come on, how many of you have ever made a decision based on your first impression whether or not you will go back to a restaurant or not? Huh? Have you ever been there? Food might be good. The service is horrible. You're like, I am not coming back here ever again, right? Uh, How many of you decided you've made a decision based on the first meeting of somebody whether or not you actually like them or not? My wife uh, met me in a lumber yard. Come on, I, I was dressed in typical, I worked there at the lumber yard, and I was dressed in typical lumber yard gear. I had on cowboy boots and wranglers, and come on, I just had on an old shirt and a baseball cap. And, uh, and I, I saw her, and I said, hey, how you doing, you know? And, uh, and she, was, she was walking down the plumbing aisle, and I was like, hey, I like you. And so I walked up to her, and I asked her out on a date. And, uh, and so she agreed to go out on a date. I don't know if it just startled her or whatever, but, uh, you know, uh, uh, I, anyway, she did, agreed to go, and I was supposed to meet her under the bleachers at the football game. Come on, somebody. And, uh, and so um, she nearly stood me up because of her first impression. She thought that I was going to show up with a big old cowboy hat, and my wife's not very country, and there's nothing wrong with cowboy hats. I like cowboy hats. My grandpa's a cowboy. And, uh, but she thought I was going to wear cowboy boots, a cowboy hat, and that's the way she thought. Big old belt, come on, the belt buckle the size of a dinner plate. And, um, and, and, the, and that's what she thought, so she almost stood me up based on her first impression of me. Uh, I don't really generally dress that way, but the truth is, is that first impressions are important. How many of you have ever made a bad first impression where you sit back and you go, oh my gosh, that was bad. Uh, my wife and I, uh, we, we, when we planted the church, we have, we have church planters that will call us on occasion and say, hey, listen, I just want to know, like, can you give us some helpful hints, some things that are going on? Well, one particular time, she had this lady call. And she said, we're planting a church here in the Metroplex and was wondering if we could meet. And, and they have this long conversation. Well, uh, my wife gets off the phone and she's like, I don't know, they are old, and I was like, what, what, did she tell you how old? No, but I could hear her dentures flapping on the phone. And I was like, man, that is old. You know, I'm like, man, this is a, that's a pretty old thing. You know, a gal to be planting a church, but hey, keep going. I mean, come on, give me my mountain. And, and so I was like, well, that's cool. So we, we decide that we're going to meet them. Well, we walk into a Starbucks. And as we walk in, now listen, my wife is 
100% on go all the time. Like, it's not, uh, she loves everybody, and she, she genuinely does love everybody. And, uh, and we're sitting there, and we get in line to get the, 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 uh, our coffee, and this gentleman walks up. And now he's in his, probably in his mid-50s. Uh, so not as old as what I had thought he was, right? And uh, and so he comes up and he's like, "Hey, my name is so and so. I'm the, uh, we, you know, this is this is it. My wife is over on the phone." Okay, now that is what I heard because I actually pay attention. Now then, all of a sudden, this little old lady, come on, she's like. Just barely get the log. Now, this guy's in his mid-50s. This lady is in her 80s. And she's barely getting along. My wife has in her mind dentures flapping on the phone. Come on. And so she thinks this is the man's wife. So she walks up to this woman who is unsuspecting of anything and grabs her and gives her a massive hug in the middle of Starbucks. Come on, somebody. And I'm sitting here, and it's like it's happening so fast, you can't stop the train wreck that's happening. And not only does she do she's like, and this lady is like frozen stiff, like what is going on? And she grabs her and she gives her a big hug. Well, she's not getting any response. So my wife takes it up a notch and decides to do a face nuzzle and goes, oh, I love you so much. Now, let me tell you, I'm sitting here and I finally go, woman, that's not his wife. And she goes, oh, I'm, and the lady takes off out the door, scared for her life. And this, there's this lady, and tr- truthfully, she wasn't very old at all. She didn't have dentures. She just must have had a little bit of a speech impediment. But, that, but I was sitting there going, this is a, like, what would make you think that this 50-year-old was married to an 80-year-old for crying out loud, you know? I, come on, somebody say bad first impression. I haven't heard back from them. <laughs> a bad first impression. Because first impressions are important. And I wonder, did Jesus know that first, uh, first impression was important? I mean, here he is. I, I, I think he's the savior of the world. I think that he knows that a first impression would be something that would be very important. It's not something that just shocked him, but then he still makes the decision as a first impression, the very first miracle that we ever see him perform is that he turns water into wine. I'm amazed at this, and I'm shocked at this because this is the first impression that we get of Jesus. Now, we have to set the scene and kind of understand where we're at. Come on, how many of you have ever planned a wedding? Can I see a hand in this place? I, I, uh, we, when we planned our wedding, we had in mind this amazing, elaborate thing, right? Of course, we thought it was elaborate. We paid money. I had, we had to pay cash for it. I didn't have parents bailing me out. So uh, I, I had to pay for the entire wedding, and, uh, and it was expensive. And, and so here we are, and we're trying to get this all together, and come on, it's what color napkins are you going to do? Come on, what tie are you going to wear? What color dresses are you going to have? Who's going to be your best man? That's a big one, because now then, guess what? You've picked your best man for the rest of your life. 
And all everybody else has been shunned. You're not my best man. This guy's my best man. If you have a brother, it's an automatic out. It's awesome. But here I am. I'm trying to pick this out, and it's this decision and that decision. Then the day finally gets there, and you just pray that nothing goes wrong. Come on. We've seen America's Funniest Home Videos when people catch their hair on fire. Or come on, somebody passes out. You don't want to be the guy that passes out on your wedding day. And there's all of these things that you're trying to to keep from happening, right? And that's exactly what we have happening in this story is we are at a wedding. And for us in today's time, the wedding is everything. In that in, in Jesus' time, the wedding was just it was really quick, got it over and the reception was everything. 6-day long receptions at the lowest. Come on, so they like to party. In, in that day and age, they, they like to have some fun. It wasn't a one-night thing. This was six days long. And what we have to understand, while we, per, we always pray that nothing goes wrong during the wedding, you got to understand that in their day and age, it was massively humiliating for anything to go wrong, especially this right here. To run out of wine in that day and, and time would automatically make you the laughing stock of your town, not something that you were like, oh, okay, well, that's how oh, that really sucks. We'll, we'll laugh about that later. It's going to be, no, this is something that was so tragic to, to, a, to a groom that it would have automatically made him normal, uh, uh, automatically an outcast kind of of the town because it didn't matter if everything else went right, this thing went wrong and this was important. Are y'all with me? So we set the stage here and understand that this is a massive thing that's happened. This is this is this man that is sitting here is not only going to get get catch some major flack from his wife, but he's gonna he's gonna be embarrassed and humiliated in front of the whole town. And Jesus steps into the picture. Now I want you to understand. Most of the time, we just see the miracle. But I want you to see, just for a moment with me, I'm nearly done, I want you to see the miracle behind the miracle. Are you with me? Come on, somebody. Do you want to see the miracle that's happening behind the miracle? See, we see water into wine. Wow, that's amazing. That's incredible. This is awesome. This is so uh, so phenomenal. But I'm telling you right now that there was a man who was staring down uh, uh, something that was going to uh, com- completely change his life, something that was going to humiliate him and to make him an outcast. And here he is, and Jesus steps in. So let's take a, a moment to see the miracle behind the miracle. You ready? The first thing he did for this man, the first thing Jesus did for this man is he removed his shame. The first thing he did. See, you have to understand that he was going, he, he would have hung his head in shame and been so embarrassed and so humiliated that, that this was one of those things that would have completely changed his life. And when you begin to really understand that, he, you got to understand that Jesus stepped in and changed that immediately. With a simple miracle, something that, that not everybody will see or every, everybody else will notice, he steps in and he removes the man's shame. The second thing he did, he supplied the man's lack. Oh, come on, somebody. 
He supplied the man's lack. Now, now I just want you to understand something, and, and really, I don't think that we truly get the, the size of the miracle, because it, it says in there specifically that this is the best wine, right? And, and we, we understand that there's 20 to 30 gallons filled to the brim. Come on, that's a lot of wine. That is a whole lot of wine, 20 to 30 gallons. And so if we just begin to break this down, and for time's sake, we end up with 160 gallons of wine. That's a lot of wine. Now then, the normal bottle of wine would have 23 to 25 ounces. Are you with me? Don't act all holy like you don't know. I've never seen a bottle of wine. Come on. I'm not saying you have to drink it, but you've been in a store and seen it. Come on. And, and 23 to 25 ounces of wine, uh, the best bottle of wine in 2015, are you with me? The best, what they call the best bottle of wine, cost $14,500 a bottle. The best. I can't even wrap my mind, come on, around even close, but there's somebody out there with too much money and not enough sense. Come on. And that will pay $14,500 a bottle for. So now then, let me just take this and save you the math. So, what we see happening here conservatively is a $12 million miracle. That's a lot of stinking money. I don't, I don't care who you are. And if you don't think that's a, a lot of money, please uh, feel free to give to the Church Royce City. You can make your check payable. Million is spelled M-I-L-L-I-O-N. Come on, somebody. $12 million is a lot of stinking money. And I don't think that we really truly understand what Jesus did in this moment, that he didn't just, just provide just enough, but he came in and he stepped in and provided more than enough. He, he provided more than he could even imagine and here they are going from lack to plenty he supplied the man's lack the third thing he did are you ready the third thing he did is he removes the mistake he removes the mistake he he doesn't just cover up the mistake come on how many of you have ever had somebody that came in and saved you from a mistake. Come on, you forget your anniversary and somebody reminds you that it's your anniversary and forever you are grateful to that person because you didn't die that day. Come on. You, 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 maybe, maybe you forget a kid's name and your wife steps in and says, it's Johnny. Oh, okay, I got you. I, I, yeah, Johnny. And, and all of a sudden, there's something that happens and, and there's, you are forever grateful to that person. Can I hear an amen? Somebody comes in and steps in and removes the mistake and that's exactly what Jesus did. Nobody else besides Mary that we know of and the servants know what's going on, that they are out of wine, that they are in a bad shape and Jesus steps in and doesn't just cover it up come on he, he actually removes the mistake this man had messed up he had miscalculated he had made a mistake and Jesus removes the mistake amen the last thing he did is he makes the man look like a champion well, how, how, do you, how do you say that? Well, here's the thing is, is that we, we even see it, they take the wine to the master of the feast. And when they take the wine to the master of the feast, he says this. He says, wait a second. Normally, people bring out the good stuff, 
And then, come on, it gets a little worse. Then you start bringing out the Franzia. The box stuff starts flowing. Huh? Y'all with me? N- normally, something bad, I mean, you, you bring out the good stuff, and then it says when everybody's well drunk, that then you bring out the, the better, right? Or you bring out the worst, because nobody really cares at this point. But this man, he says, no, not you didn't do that. You brought out really good stuff, and then you brought out even better stuff. Nobody does that. And I love this because Jesus could have just said, okay, well, I know that what everybody else does, and I can make a lower quality. I can make a lower grade, and nobody will care. Everybody expects that. But Jesus goes above your expectations. Come on. The Bible says that he'll do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you could ask, think, or imagine. And I'm here to tell you that Jesus stood up, and he said, I'm going to give you better stuff than what you even expect and I love that about Jesus better stuff no longer did the man look like a failure instead Jesus made him look like a hero he made him look like a champion he made him look awesome to all of his friends and to all of his peers and all of his people. Not only would he not be the laughing stock, people would talk about him for years to come about, man, this is the guy who brings out good and then makes it even better. This, this guy took it to another level, and I'm amazed that Jesus did this for this man. Now, what does all this have to do with you? I feel like a lot of people, there's, there's some people in this room that have gotten a bad first impression of Jesus. And the truth is, is that it's not because of who Jesus is. It's because of the way that he was represented. It's because of the way that somebody told you and, and a religious finger has pointed in your face and told you that you have to clean up before you come to Jesus. And a religious finger has pointed in your face and said you should be ashamed of yourself. I don't know who you think you are. And a religious finger and somebody has come along who called themselves a Christian and has told you that Jesus is out to get you. Come on, how many times as a pastor pastor have I heard, well, I would love to come to church, but I know the roof would cave in on me. Because you have this misconception and you've you've been given a bad first impression of who Jesus is. And I think there's somebody here today that you've been carrying around shame because you think that you have to. I want to tell you something that I, I want to let you know about a Jesus who didn't come to make you feel ashamed, but I want to tell you about a Jesus who came to take away your shame. I want you to understand that you don't have to carry around the thing that you think that you have to carry around anymore. That Jesus said, I come in and I step in and I make a difference in your life and I will take and I will remove the shame. Come on. The Bible says there is therefore now no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. I think that there might be some people in here that are lacking. Come on. I don't know what you're lacking. I, I, I think that, that sometimes we get into this place to where we think that, that lack, oh, well, uh, that just is a financial thing. And yeah, it might be financial. But maybe there's somebody in here lacking hope. There's somebody lacking love. Somebody lacking peace. Maybe like Melissa, lacking peace in your marriage. Somebody lacking 
And you look down and you, you can, all you can see is the lack. All you can see is the lack. And you think that it's my burden to bear. But I want to tell you about a Jesus who came to supply the lack. I don't know what you're lacking. If it's love, let me tell you, for God so loved the world that he gave. Come on, I, if it's hope, I'm telling you about a God who, who, who gives you hope again. If it's peace, I'm telling you about a God who gives you peace. Come on, the Bible says that he shall supply all of your needs according to his riches and gro- glory. I don't know what your need is, but I know a God who supplies the lack in your life. I want to tell you about a Jesus who covers the mistake. So many people think that because of the sins of their past, they can never have a future. So many people think that because of the mistakes that they've made, sometimes it's 5, 10, 15, 20 years ago. I know people that carry mistakes for, for, uh, for decades and decades and decades and they think that they have to carry the mistake. It's my mistake. It's my fault. It's something that I did and I've got good news for you today. I want to tell you about a Jesus who loves you so much that he removes the mistakes from your life. You might sit back and you, you might have been a failure and you might have messed up time and time and time and time again but I'm telling you about a God who's so good that he loves you so much that he removes the mistakes from your life. Come on. I'm telling you about a scripture. Let me just say this. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. You you might be sitting back thinking my past is too great, but I'm telling you right now that God has a better future for you. He removes the mistakes. I want to tell you about a Jesus who makes you a conqueror. He makes you a champion. He makes you a champion. I'm telling you right now, you've got to understand that I am nothing without Jesus. I am nothing without Jesus. I'm not anything spectacular. I'm not anything amazing. And I'm telling you, you look around and there are so many people that have been changed because of Jesus. We started out as failures. We started out as people who were sitting back and we couldn't get anything right. But I'm telling you about a Jesus who can make you a champion. Come on. The Bible says, but God demonstrates, I'm sorry, it says this, that we are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. And maybe you came in today and you feel like you're a failure. Maybe you came in today carrying shame. Maybe you came in today thinking about the mistakes of your life. And I want to tell you about a Jesus who at his very first impression, the very first thing that we see, we see what he came to do. He came to remove your shame. He came to supply your lack. He came to cover your mistake. He came to make you a champion. Stand on your feet.
I don't know where you're at today, and I don't know what you're going through. But I feel like my job and my assignment today was to let you know that he's not ashamed of you. That he's not embarrassed of you. But that he loves you. That he cares about you. That he has a hope and a future for you. That he has a plan for your life. That he wants to cover your mistakes. Thanks for listening to the Church Voice City podcast. We are always encouraged to know that God is using this ministry to touch lives. If you have a story to share how God is moving in your life, please email amen at thechurchrc.com.